Well, the real question is, is does it make you nervous when you hand off your phone to somebody else oh and let them yes. take a look <laughs> yes. and like, again, I don't have anything to hide. My phone, I don't right. keep a passcode on it. My husband can look at it. My kids can look at it. There's nothing there that I'm ashamed of, but I do feel this weird I don't know, like if I show Ryan something and then he takes a few more minutes to start scrolling through my yeah. Instagram, he's not on any social media anymore. Yeah. Um, but it's like after a few minutes, I'm kind of like, well, give me my phone back. Okay, like I need my phone back. And yeah. it, there's nothing to hide, but I don't know. It's like, that's kind of, yeah. to me, that's a, a red alert that like I'm exactly. too addicted or too yeah. um, concerned. Hey everybody, and welcome to the Advice Not Given podcast. Each week, we share unfiltered, truth-telling conversations between two friends. You're invited to eavesdrop as we give each other the advice you didn't ask for, but wish you did. We're your hosts, Kelly Artis and Claire Wood of Millspo Gurus, and this is Advice Not Given. Hey guys, we're so glad you decided to join us for episode six. Today, we're going to be talking all about social media. We're no experts, obviously, but we want to take a little time to talk about some of the negative impacts that it can have in our life. But more importantly, we want to focus on how we can moderate and manage ourselves as it pertains to social media. Please stick around to the end where we share our advice from the previous episode, episode five, where we talk about saying goodbye to summer and hear funny quippy little thank you notes that we have both written to Summer. Can't wait to hear what you think. Kelly, do you want to tell everybody kind of how you and I met as it relates to social media? Um, We actually met on Facebook. We were virtual friends long before we met in real life. We actually launched Millspo Gurus and created our entire e-course, all these projects. And it's crazy to think about now, clearly back how much we did before we'd ever have even met in person like we a year and a half in or something we finally meet on a train platform in dc <laughs> she's like oh i'm wearing this and this like i'm sure you'll recognize me but <laughs> no i actually remember texting you and i said i might be a little chubbier than what you think from my pictures <laughs> in real life yeah, so funny which she was not but um it's crazy and i'll tell you what I, it didn't seem like we were meeting. Like we already know, we already knew each other. We just hadn't actually done the formality of shaking hands or hugging your neck in real life. Um, so yeah, and I think that's a totally foreign concept for other generations. I've told my mom things like, "Oh yeah, my best friend so and so," and she's like, "Oh, how'd y'all meet <laughs> online?" <Yeah. laughs> she's like, "That's not a thing." I'm like, it's totally a thing, and that's how we yeah. operate because we have to make connections so quickly, and it's become so normal and commonplace that it's not really a big deal. Um, yeah, so we love it for that. We love it for connection and everything. Um, it just gets a little tricky when you start trying to navigate um, balance, right? Absolutely. And we both have taken this deep dive into a lot of scientific research and we've looked at all these studies and we've read all these articles and we could, you know, summarize them here, but it's things that you've heard already. It's it's the common consensus that social media is damaging our brains <laughs> and social media <laughs> is bad for our mental health. And um, we know this, but... Um, it's a very real thing. And we know that, you know, we've just got to be very mindful of how much of it we're consuming. 
and what forms of it we're consuming so that it then does not consume us. So Kelly, in your own personal experience, aside from data, what tends to be like your big hang up with social media or where do you see it negatively impacting you in your day to day? Day to day. Well, so that's, so I tend to kind of divide up my usage of social media into professional and personal, right? So a huge component of what I do for work and for Millspo Guru's advice not given is all on social media. I mean, that's, no one would know about us if not for, <laughs> for social media. And let's be real, you guys, we're going to use the fool out of social, social media for you to even be able to hear this podcast, right? Um, I sent Claire a link earlier about how to hack the Instagram algorithm so people could actually see our posts. <laughs> um, so the same things we're complaining about, we're also trying to learn and use. As far as personally impacting me, I think that for the most part, I can I can consume things objectively. But the hardest thing for me to kind of wrap my head around was for the longest time, I thought that I was in control of my feed and I'm not at all. Um, so there are, there are ways you can, you know, unfollow people or follow things you like. Uh, you can, you know, that by liking things or by commenting on somebody's posts or, or, you know, photo or whatever that, you know, probably you'll see more of that person's stuff. But even with that, if there's ad money behind anything else, it's going to corrupt what you think is your feed. Um, so, not having control over that is problematic for me because I'm being spoon-fed and force-fed things that I wouldn't otherwise go looking for online. So that's wow. hard. Yeah, Do you think right? that that's part of your Enneagram six wing being super skeptical? Probably. And <laughs> it's funny because I, I, I guess I'm one of the, you know, blind idiots that's just like consuming without even thinking about all of that. I know it to be true, but I think for me, my biggest hangups with it are I can physically sense when I have consumed too much, when I have oh, wow. my eyes yeah. on my phone screen too long, when I have been down an Instagram rabbit hole too long. <laughs> I have tension behind my eyes. I feel my neck mm -hmm. all tight. Mm -hmm. um, so there's physical reactions that I have. And for the longest time, I would allow things that I see on social media, especially back home with family members on events that I was missing out on that I knew I would be a part mm. of if we still live there, mm -hmm. it would truly trigger me. And as an example, every fall, everybody in my family seems to get together for Saturday college football and my parents go see Aww. all the grandkids with their sports. And it's yep. like this gasoline on a fire of envy Ugh. and discontent. And so... For that reason, I have to really monitor how much of it I let myself consume during those trigger times for me. Yeah. Yeah. And and listen, I'm I'm just as guilty of all of that. Just because I'm saying it here now because I've spent time thinking about it does not mean that it is like continually present, um, you know, as far as like how I am actively scrolling through my feed being angry at Mark Zuckerberg. That's not how that goes down. <laughs> I very much succumb to the fear of missing out or the FOMO, um, imposter syndrome. If I put something out there, you know, and don't get the responses that I expected or in the volume or, you know, I mean, how many times, Claire, are you guilty of posting something and deleting it? Do you do oh, that? I do. I absolutely I do. <laughs> I do it a lot. Well, here's, and like, here's a follow-on question to your deleting thing, and you don't have to answer it, so I'm going to give you the chance yeah. to just say pass. <laughs> do you feel more triggered, though, and, and likely to delete something or more sensitive to what you're posting if you feel like it's going to impact you professionally, 
if you feel like it's going to hit a sour note mm-hmm. with someone you love, like a personal connection, like where do you find the the pain point for you? So I don't, I don't jump into fights. I don't, I don't jump into controversial stuff. A, yeah, mainly, yes, professionally is always on the forefront. And honestly, Claire, that's kind of how I've started to view social media in general. I've started unlocking my profiles and making them public and I'm not using it to share photos of my kids with my mom anymore. You know what I mean? Like I know that that is not the place for that any longer. So I've tried to start consciously like reframing the way that I'm using social media. So by viewing it through a professional viewpoint and lens, like that kind of does change the content that I um, make public and make available even to the point where, you know, what did I scroll past something yesterday? And it was a really fascinating conversation, but I didn't want to engage in it because I didn't want I didn't know who would see me engaging in it, regardless of how I approached the conversation or what comment I had planned, um, you know, unless it's in a private group. And even if it's in a private group, you never know who's in the group, right? Like, so there's just so many, there's so many, it's too much risk. So right. I don't when I, yeah. And when I talk about deleting stuff, it's usually because of something like that. I post it and then I pull it back because I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I don't know who's in here or who, not that I would say anything super, you know, controversial anyway, really, but um, you just never know. And you never know how people are going to ingest what you put out. So this is true. I don't want to get misunderstood and it's just not worth it. So yeah. Oh, it's so complicated when you really start thinking back and then you think to, again, you've got eight other different types of people, you know, different personality sort of lenses to be viewing that one comment. And you're only getting text. You're not getting audio. You're not getting, you know, facial and body cues when you're making a comment. Um, You're not getting feedback from your audience other than a heart or a thumbs up or an angry face. Yeah. (laughs) You're just seeing black and white text. So it's hard. Yeah. It is. It is. And I think it's interesting how you and I talked a little before we started recording just about how different social media platforms provide different things for us. And Mm -hmm. we're talking a lot Mm -hmm. about connectivity. And, you know, I mentioned Facebook being a place personally where I feel more connected to people like back home or people I've met at previous duty assignments and probably not going to see them much anymore, but I can keep up with what's going on through Facebook. Definitely a platform to get plugged in at new places to seek out and search all of the social groups you want to be a part of and get, you know, up to the minute information on like where you need to be when you live somewhere. So that's kind of my Facebook, I hate to say persona, but that's what I use it for. But then for Instagram and again, Facebook, I pretty much if I know you or know a friend of a friend, I'm hitting accept when you friend request me. Instagram, I'm keeping that really tight. And it's where I go for what I would call inspiration, for encouragement, like, oh, these great memes or these great quotes and these pretty houses. And but as I mentioned, Instagram ends up being the place that stirs up the most discontent in me. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I'm looking at and again, that's that's self-selected feed, things I'm choosing to exactly. to follow yep. and look at, but have yeah. you ever looked at somebody else's feed? Have you ever gotten somebody else's phone or something and, and like scrolled through their feed to see how different it is from yours? No, I haven't done it's that. It's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> there are, I, I mean, there probably aren't that many people that would be that uh, permissive, but <laughs> but I have like a – maybe it was – you know how somebody will pull up their phone and say, oh my God, look at this. And you can't help it, right? It's habitual. And that's another thing too. It's like almost mechanical now. Like we don't even know how to stop ourselves. I get somebody's phone, they want to show me a picture and I'm immediately scrolling as if it's my own phone. 
Like I don't have the right to go looking through their folders or their phone, but I can't help it because I feel like it's my phone and I'm like habituated to just scroll, scroll, scroll. So I've done that before with different people's, you know, Instagram feeds or Facebook feeds or show me one thing, but then, you know, it takes 10 minutes to get my phone back or get their phone back to them because (laughs) they're scrolling. And it's crazy though, because the things that I like, quote unquote, the things that, you know, the algorithms have decided to feed me are very different than maybe the stuff that you're being fed or, you know, I don't have a ton of, you know, oh, oh my God, I was following stock tank pools for a while. So now it's all these hips, hipster trendy folks in Nashville with their cute little twinkle lights and stock tank pools in their backyard, <laughs> whereas someone else might have nothing but flowers and plants. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, well, the real question yeah. is, is does it make you nervous when you hand off your phone to somebody else oh and God. let them yes. take a look <laughs> and like, Again, I don't have anything to hide. My phone, I don't right. keep a passcode on it. My husband can look at it. My kids can look at it. There's nothing there that I'm ashamed of. But I do feel this weird, I don't know, like if I show Ryan something and then he takes a few more minutes to start scrolling through my yeah. Instagram, he's not on any social media anymore. Yeah. Um, but it's like after a few minutes, I'm kind of like, well, give me my phone back. Okay, like I need my phone back. And yeah. it, there's nothing to hide, but I don't know. It's like that's kind of, yeah. to me, that's a, a red alert that like I'm exactly. too addicted or too yeah. um, concerned. Protective. Yeah, protective. protective of it, right? So my, my husband, yeah, he does, he does, I think he might be on LinkedIn. That's it. And that's only cause I made him. Um, right. and then YouTube. So we have YouTube stream to the TV and stuff. And so if the kids come down and hijack the YouTube channel, he gets so upset because it messes up his feed. It messes up his like search history. What YouTube's even, I mean, cause all of the platforms do this. Netflix does it. That's one that's pretty easy to spy on people, right? Like to see what it is they're into or what it is they watch and consume. Um, I've caught a couple of babysitters. <laughs> that way actually of uh, watching things that were inappropriate. But um, like I was at my parents' house over the week and I got to see like what kind of stuff they watch. And I'm like, this is a totally different platform than what we have. I do not watch, you know, what it, like NCIS and things like that. <laughs> it's like all their feed was all this crime drama and murder mysteries. And um, mine's totally like documentaries and maybe some feel good cooking shows here and there. <laughs> True. So, True. Yeah. Well, yeah, so we've talked a little bit just sharing our own experience with how social media can be negative. And obviously, there's a lot lot more ways and a lot more damage it can do. But we wanted to shift our focus just a little and talk now about how it can benefit us and maybe not even the benefits so much as how we regulate, like how we regulate it mm-hmm. for ourselves, for our families and our homes, and hopefully get some feedback from some of you listening as you engage with this episode um, of you telling us how you do the same. So Kelly, do you want to start or I can share just my own little tips? Yeah, just personally. Okay. So here's the deal, especially the lifestyle that Claire and I are in with being married to military service members. Everything in our lives is like always in flux, right? We cannot maintain steady relationships with people in real life, IRL, uh, because everyone moves around. We all move around. We do different things. You know, we're on separate ends of the planet half the time. Um, you, you be thrust in new situations continuously. So being able to connect with people online is crucial. I mean, there's there's just no replacement for it. Uh, when I when I do my work with Millie, what we do is we help people relocate that are in the military. Uh, we predominantly focus all of our marketing efforts on Facebook because that's where our consumers are. 
that's where our people are. They live on Facebook. They're in Facebook groups. There are groups for every installation. Um, you can post almost any question to a military spouse group and you will get not only some of the best answers, but like 85 variations of that answer. It's amazing to crowdsource any kind of information. You can like automatically make friends. You know, you can literally post in a group, hey, I'm new to the area. Does anyone want to do coffee? And you'll have six people show up. You know, whether or not you're into those people remains to be seen, right? But like you, there's always the eagerness there because that is kind of the method that we use to connect. And I think we've done it really well. Like there are definitely some shadow sides to that. Um, There are certainly areas where that goes astray very quickly. Um, And, you know, it's kind of on you to figure out what kind of environments you want to be in, in social media and on social media. Um, But, you know, once you sort of kind of get yourself attuned to knowing what the red flags are and what to look for as far as like the bad groups, right? Like there, there are groups where just anything goes and there's bullying and things like that. Just stay away from it. You know, make sure you remind yourself constantly. Everyone has an opinion and read between the lines on stuff, but it is amazing to be able to connect with people, reconnect with people, find people that you have, you know, commonalities with that you never would have known having run into them you know, in target, right. It takes that sort of exposure on social media and like those kind of vulnerable comments. And then you can pick up on things like, Oh my God, we went to the same high school and you know, that guy I knew him and you know, whatever. It's just, it's so cool and such an easy way um, to connect. I just think it's fantastic. What are some of the boundaries you have or the parameters you have for yourself with social media? Do you have, or do you, do you have any personal rules or I think boundaries is just the best word to, um, yeah, so I don't have anything hard and fast, but I do, I try because I spend so much time on social media and my time is just limited in general. I you know, some people just set like timers and they're just kind of like scrolling for for just pleasure to kill time, right? I don't really have time to kill. So I have to be really mindful of what I'm doing while I'm on social media. So I know that I need to respond to work messages and people that are commenting on things for, you know, professionally on my different platforms. So I try to allocate certain blocks during the day for those sorts of tasks. Like if it's a work thing, I try to keep it a work thing, right? But personally, if I'm just like, you know, scrolling in the pickup line for school, if I scroll past something and I stop and I don't like the way I feel about it, it could be any kind of feeling, right? I either unfollow or turn off notifications or silence the group or, um, you know, whatever it is that triggered that seemingly triggered that, <laughs> that right. post to show up in my feed. If I know a way to kind of circumvent stuff like that, um, I don't, and it kind of goes back to episode two when we talked about, you know, finding and curating those people in your life that, that feed you and bring you joy. I do the same thing with social media. If I scroll past something, it doesn't mean I don't like you anymore. It doesn't mean I don't want to be friends. It just means that I caught your comment or your post or your photo in a bad way. And I didn't like the way that I responded to it. And I don't need that in my life. And I don't need extra bumps in my relationships. So I just get rid of it. I just, okay. I just move it out of the way and hide so it. So for you then that's pretty instantaneous. Like you see it, you feel it. And then you're like, oh, delete or to. oh, unfollow. That's great. To. And that's there's great. definitely like a three strike rule for a lot of people. Right. <laughs> um, and I do like, and then sometimes if it's something that's like out, maybe seemingly out of character, maybe then I'll go back. Cause and let's be real. A lot of these people I don't know well, right. These are True. people that I'm just meeting online. So it's no, no love lost really for some, some folks. Um, so, but if it's something that I like, I'm curious about, I'll go maybe look and look at their 
history, their timeline, their wall, and see if they're continuously posting stuff like that, or maybe maybe it was a bad moment for them and they posted something they shouldn't have. And I'll I'll allow a little bit of space for that. Um, this seems very thought out now that I'm saying it, but I promise it's not. It's, it's much not. more. Yeah. It's I don't know. I don't think I'm like consciously like okay, control your feed, balance, balance, balance. You know, it's just you. I, I'm like you. I can know. I can tell when I've overdone it. And then you have to really step back and say, okay, like I need to be a little more like, I can't let this run my life. I need to be a little more conscious of what I'm doing. So, right. I I think I try to have some pre-existing boundaries for myself. Um, I aim to not be on my phone, really social media or otherwise anytime before 8 a.m., meaning like first thing when I wake up or about 8 p.m., I try to shut it down just so I'm preparing myself for sleep. So um, I do try to avoid that, but I'm not 100%. And so there'll be mornings I'll wake up and I'd go right to my phone to see if I've missed anything on Instagram oh, through the night. Sure. And so mm-hmm. I re- I have to work really hard to do my other things first in the morning, my walk, my quiet time, my mm-hmm. shower. And then that's kind of like a reward for checking in and being an adult first. Um, yeah. I also, like you, have to prioritize tasks on my phone and social media. And so I have used the Flora app and then the Be Focused app. And those are both kind of productivity mm. things to cool. keep you off of social media when you need to be focused. And I have also started implementing putting my phone in airplane mode sometimes just to be uninterrupted. And um I think for me, I I feel a lot of guilt when I realize and recognize that maybe I am in my phone and I am on Instagram more than I am interacting and engaging with the Mm. very people that are real in my life and Mm -hmm. in my home. And Mm -hmm. so um, as my own kids are getting to the age where they are getting their first phones and um, they're not on social media yet, but I'm kind of thinking ahead of like, how am I modeling the kind of interaction that I want to see yeah, in them. Yeah, um, yeah. Am I doing so great? I don't know. Yeah. Probably not. <laughs> no. So I have this cop out. I mean, my kids have already called me out. Uh, they call me out a lot. Actually, you're in your phone. You're in your... I'm like, I work on my phone and I have to always try to turn it around. I'm like, you're lucky that I get to work from home and I get to work from my phone because I could work in an office and you, you know, like, wh- yeah. I mean, whatever. I know you're lucky I get I to I... ignore you when you're in the same room as me. That, you get, <laughs> that I get to ignore. Yes, exactly. Oh, that's funny. Um, yeah. So, but I'm like, also, I'm trying to make a point to them. And again, my kids are really young. So, and Claire, you're the type of person I'm always seeking out because I'm like, how do you handle when they get a little bit older? Because their kids are already my daughter's age that have phones, um, and they have social media. And I, I'm not trying to be judgmental about any of that because teach their own. I know there's so many circumstances where you want your child to have a way to communicate with you. Um, you know, just sleepovers or at school. Even now, we are a little more leery of safety at school and things like that. So, um, and I know there's alternatives and, you know, this is a whole probably extra episode where we can talk about, you know, ways to kind of protect your children's identity and and stuff on social media and their innocence, so to speak. And, you know, even just like security, right? Like keeping them from getting on apps that are fronts for something else. And anyway, but I don't know, there's such a fine line between letting your kid, keeping your kid, away from social media because, you know, you know, all of the scientific research or whatever, but then also having them be completely left out, you know, of something like, I know the big one was like TikTok or something. And I'm like, it's cute, 
Well, I don't even think of mine worried that they're being left out as much as I think I want to teach them how to use it. I don't want them learning it from their peers. So same thing with like talking about human sexuality and and those kind of things. I'm going to say it and tell you and teach you and show, you know, give all the instruction because I want it to come from me, not from Mm -hmm. your peers. So I don't even feel as much like, oh, we should avoid this, you know, for X, Y, or Z or you know, they're going to feel left out. Everybody else is doing it. I just want it to come from us and not their peers. So I read somewhere that instead of, um, and again, this sounds like I know what I'm talking about and I really don't because I'm not there yet, but (laughs) I read somewhere that instead of like prohibiting your kids from having social media or, you know, whatever on their devices um, to reframe it and also incentivize uh, them to be able to hold off from getting an account so that they're not having to answer this, you know, like peer pressure kind of question when their friends are like, Oh, are you on Facebook? And they're like, no, my mom won't let me versus no, every month that I abstain from social media, my mom's going to put a hundred dollars in my bank account for a car or something like that. Like there was some kind of, I forget the rule or it was like a, you know, a campaign or something that someone's trying to launch and, and, uh, and make popular. I don't know if they'll ever get it off the ground, but um, it's yeah, and cool. There's, it was like- there's a guy that I've seen on Instagram, and I'll get his name exactly right, but I think it's Colin Catcher, and he had this big YouTube, maybe even like a TED Talk, just about the dangers of social media, and he literally did a startup on a phone for teenagers that looks like a smartphone, but it does not have social mm. media capability. Um, and it's kind of to protect them, obviously, from the dangers of it, but then also – you know, they don't have an old 1995 Nokia right. phone they're carrying around. Yeah. So. so it looks and feels like an iPhone. Yeah. So you're going to laugh, but I saw on Amazon not too long ago, a f- <laughs> it's so funny. It's called an air phone. It's yes, an you told me about product. this. Did I tell you? <laughs> but it's air. It's not, it's like, nothing, but, but it's meant it's to nothing. be like. Yeah. It's an empty bag and the photos are people like acting like they're holding a phone and the marketing is freaking hilarious and they've sold a lot of them it's sick but i'm like that's sad though too that we that there's a it's a joke right it's but a they're, statement they're on actually, the state of our society yes that we need to have a thing to hold but don't need it because it's not good for us <laughs> but we're so attached and it has to be this and like there's a or it's a brick like an actual just piece of plastic like it doesn't even have like there's no buttons, there's no mechanics, there's no battery, work. there's no nothing. It is literally a hunk of plastic that is the exact size of a phone, and it's just this tactile sort of um, thing that <laughs> it's funny, but it's crazy. I mean, it, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I like that. I like having a not a well, I guess a dumb phone. I don't know. I just social media is so much different than internet. Like you know, yeah. And you can Google all kinds of things. You need directions for your maps. You need. Wi-Fi and internet capabilities for so many things, but gosh, social media for kids, especially like, especially kids that move around or aren't adjusting well or have challenges or it's just such, it just seems like such a nightmare that I'm dreading, but I know I'm getting close to it. You are, and it is tough because you don't want to, none of us do, we don't want to come across as judging other people um, because they choose to parent differently than we do and, and, you know, allow things that maybe we don't allow. But we're going to, as this episode airs, we're going to throw a few polls in our social media. We would love to hear from some (laughs) of you that are parents. At what age do you allow your child a phone? Is it a smartphone? Is it a dumb phone? Do they have, what are their restrictions? Um, Are they allowed on social media? And then kind of just at what age do you, do you allow it? And comma, (laughs) 
how mm-hmm. do you model healthy engagement yeah. with your own social media for those around you? Not even just for kids, but in your marriage and just for yourself, mm-hmm. you know, how are mm-hmm. you, how are you regulating yourself with it? Maybe oh my put, gosh, that would be so helpful, you guys. Please, yeah. <laughs> please tell me what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> yeah, this is kind of funny, and I know it's going to sound judgy, so I'm gonna I'm gonna just preface it with that. But I taught fourth grade last year at a little private mm-hmm. school, and mm-hmm. one of my students for her tenth birthday came in and told me, "Oh, Mrs. Wood, I just got the new iPhone X, like you have." Mm. <laughs> and I'm thinking, and mm. she has an Instagram account, and I'm thinking, oh I'm God. 42, and I bought my <laughs> phone, and you are 10, and you know yeah. that's whatever. Like I get it, and if your mom and dad want to buy that for you, that is great. That's They're awesome. probably judging well, so, me. And there's a- but still, I was like, wow, cool, twinsies. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's an there's a flip side to that too. Do I want to saddle my nine-year-old with a thousand dollar piece of equipment that I, she's supposed to be entrusted with and to carry around and not lose and not break? That is a ton of responsibility. I can't answer like, have you that ever, for you. No. Have you, you lost your you know you don't? So have you lost a phone or had I'm sure you have, right? Who hasn't? Um, I, I haven't have lost, lost one, but oh God, I keep a protective me. case okay. on it. Like, <laughs> so I've lost a couple, um, and I lost one most recently in an Uber on my way home from somewhere. And um, it is the most nauseating sort of feeling. Like, I it it took me a while to recover from it. Just you know the 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 shame almost that creeps up. Like I can't even keep up with a phone. I can't believe I'm so irresponsible. Well, good grief. It's probably easier just to lose your wallet, you know, even though you have to get your IDs changed and all that, but to lose a phone and all the information you have saved and the panic if it's not protected by passwords. Passwords, everything, and then just the expense of it. I mean, luckily everything's kind of cloud-based now, so it's not as bad as, I mean, I've lost phones back in the day where you like, that was your, everything's gone, it's just gone. But it just, it's just sick. It's just a sick sort of feeling. And like, I don't want my kids to have to do that and go, I don't know if they would, because I don't know if they'd feel the gravity of it. Like I do who paid for the phone, <laughs> but I also don't want to like entrust them with more than they're capable of handling. And I don't know if they'd be, uh, I definitely don't think one of them is capable of handling a device that costs that much money. To me, it's like every other parenting thing. You have to just decide like what you're going to do in your household and yeah. just go with it and not worry too much about what everybody else thinks. But that's hard. And Funnily mm. enough, it's because of social media. We see how everybody else is <laughs> yes, parenting right? their kids oh God, and the choices circle. they're giving into. Yep. And yep. it's like, oh, no, well, I'm not doing that. And it's almost yeah. one of those things you kind of have to put some type of blinder on and say, you know, we're going to do yeah. us in the way we know to do it. And we're not going to let everybody else yeah. influence us so much. I do have a couple more tips that I wanted to share. And these are just things that I had jotted down that I have read elsewhere. And occasionally I try to implement, but I don't necessarily these aren't like the gospel for me but some things that I picked up along the way if you're having trouble kind of like moderating your screen time or you know whatever um is the more extreme is to take a hiatus people take like sabbaticals from social media all the time absolutely Um, so yeah so it's good I mean it's good for you it's like okay well especially going on vacation you know or something like that where your intention is to not be plugged in like don't go um, well okay it's up to your own limits right if you want to take photos on vacation do it I do the same thing but if it's something that you wanted to try out do that take a hiatus you can even make a cute little dramatic exit post if you want I saw the best meme the other day where somebody was leaving a group and they were like, they posted about I'm leaving the group and then they, but they really want to stick around and see what everybody says about them leaving the group. 
oh no please stay (laughs) (laughs) it's so funny i love it um but yeah, so take a hiatus if you if you feel like you need one or just test it out. Try it for a weekend, see if, see how you feel about it. Um, hours, like Claire mentioned earlier, are really good to implement. And there's settings on your phone that you can actually use um, to help uh, enforce that. I'm I can't. <laughs> I tried putting a social media timer on my phone uh, one time, and my kids were laughing. They're like, "Well, mom just swipes up on that." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <Ignores>. same. <laughs> so I'm like, "Well, let's be real. I'm not gonna ignore that, or I'm not gonna." abide by that especially during the day again it's my job um turning off your notifications is a big one so you might not think that this is important but it is crazy the sort of reaction that your brain chemically has to those notifications so there's a reason that they're red right your brain still interprets red as a signal for danger you know for excitement for adrenaline um they turn on and you cannot help yourself Unless you're my mother that has 87,000 email addresses or emails waiting in her inbox and she stares at that number every day. And I don't oh, know how that doesn't induce panic. I can't. I cannot mm-hmm. with that. No. Nope. <laughs> so anyway, tur- but turning those off, like I, I turned off notifications for everything except the most urgent of apps that I have, um, mainly because I noticed, you know, I'm just drawn to it. Can't even help it. But turning them off means you have to intentionally then open the app, right? You can't really turn them off once you're inside Facebook or inside Instagram, but if it's not staring you in the face, you're not getting an alert on your lock screen or on your, Oh my God. Yeah. Turn all of it off. Even the red dot, every single one, turn them off. Um, until you feel like you're in a better place and can handle maybe some of the stimulation. Well, before you move on, just while you're talking about color and the red, um, mm. there is someone I follow on Instagram. Haha. She does a day or two of the week where she turns her whole phone to grayscale. So she sees no color on it. And there's some psychology there about how that's. Oh my God. I'm crazy. Doing that today. Wow. That's cool. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Continue. I just had to add that in on the psychology of color. (laughs) I have never even seen that as an option. Oh my God. I'm so excited. Well, so, okay. So on color too, the blue light actually does, um, to Claire's point earlier about fatigue and and your eyes hurting. Um, this is not news, but the blue light does actually affect you. So if you, especially if you're using your, your device at night, um, turn on the blue shade or blue scale. What is it called? It's like a setting. You can turn yeah. your screen to be a different kind of backlit light. Um, and I also use blue light blocking glasses. So all of yes. my prescription glasses have blue light blocking um, screens or whatever on them. And you know you can pay you can pay more for good glass. Like I got mine from my eye doctor, and you can't even tell. Some of them look a little yellow or have a tint. Um, it, and I think they helps. even sell them on Amazon. Like if you don't need yeah. prescription glasses, you can yep. just get some like dummies with the same yeah. blue blocking oh, technology. I can't remember the brand. I'll post it. I'll post the link. I actually got a pair from Independence um, Wellness Summit. They did, not this year, but last, they did a partnership or discount with some company that does blue light blocking glasses. And I got a prescription. They're super cute. So yeah, it's worth it. Um Okay, what else? So docking your phone in the hallway at night. I have heard this time and time again. I still have not been brave enough to do it, but maybe I'll try this week. Um, Plugging it up in the hallway so that it is not in your bedroom. I keep, we keep a basket in our downstairs where all of our devices, especially for the kids, stay plugged up. No devices in the room. Mm. I have tried that, but I feel like I need to keep mine upstairs. You just use the word. I'm not brave enough to do it. Mm. (laughs) Kelly and Claire, what are we afraid of? Are we afraid of missing a midnight phone call from like a dying relative? Like, what is it that we're, why? I know, well, that that would be, 
it's mine is no because nobody calls me past night i turn off so i turn off my phone like i put my phone on do not disturb before i stop with social media that's that's messed up actually now that i'm saying it um like I, my phone won't accept calls unless they call back three times right so unless it is a true emergency they won't let the call through or the text through um i think that i'm scared of being bored and I, I think I use the the excuse that I no longer have an old school alarm clock and I rely on oh, my phone sure. as my yeah. alarm clock. And, and that, which is true. I do. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty good. I don't, I mean, I usually try to go literally plug it up before like around eight o'clock and then that's my time to read a book or Ryan and I will watch a show. Oh, that's a good um, idea. But yeah, there's something like, what if somebody needs to reach me at 2 a.m.? <laughs> and I can think of like, zero times that somebody's yeah, zero called times. me <laughs> exactly zero I know yeah. I mean yeah maybe like twice in the past 10 years yeah. or if my kids are at a sleepover maybe that's yeah true. probably oh I just while you're saying kids I do want to talk about one more quick little thing so as it relates to social media those of you with older kids and teenagers life 360 this app it is like a GPS tracking device and everybody in your family that has a phone and an account, you can see where they are at all times. Mm. And at first I'm like, this is great. The kids will know where I am. I will know where they are. Dude, it's helpful, but it is a source of anxiety for me because like all technology, it's not a hundred percent reliable. And I find myself oh my like, God, <gasps> I think I was with you in DC. Yeah. And I, yeah. <laughs> like my son, his little yeah. icon had frozen up between his school and home and I'm mm. calling the house and nobody's answering and I'm, he's dead in the ditch somewhere. So oh to me, that's like another, like it's good, but it's not so good when it doesn't work. Well, thing. so it's like a baby monitor. Every yeah. you know, everyone I knew, like the video monitors were just coming out, and people were getting video monitors, and they're watching them from their phone, and like mm-hmm. watching the baby sleep. I'm like, that would I would go crazy. Like I know that I much. would not be able to handle that sort of. Um, yeah, I just couldn't because it. I'm sure there's reasons why that would be beneficial, and if people, especially you know, have larger medical concerns, all that kind of stuff. But for me, it was like, uh, uh-uh, I can't. That's I. I will. It creates hypervigilance. And I think that's another thing that social media can do Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. us. And and in that hypervigilance, it stirs up the anxiety that just stays at peak level. We all turn into like middle school girls, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I I do. It's like, oh, did did that person not like me? You know, if I post something to them, did they, and they didn't like it, like, did they not see it? Are they mad at me? What did I do? Oh my gosh. Like, come on. It's exhausting. Oh my God. It really is. So yeah. Um, I feel like there was one more thing. I yeah. I'm sorry. I interrupted you like three times. Oh, Claire. <laughs> go back to your, go back well, to so your this list. Is, this is one of the things like social media like kills our attention span, right? <laughs> yeah. True. Hold a thought in my head. I'm like, oh, red dot. Shiny thing. Cool. Um, now setting. Oh, there are also some apps you guys too. And now, so I struggle with this with work, like getting distracted by being on Facebook because so much of my work is on Facebook. It is really hard to stay focused. Um, so I have something called a timeline eradicator enabled on my Facebook feed on my desktop because if anything comes up in the news feed, I'm like, Oh, let's click it. Um, this will actually erase the news feed. So it literally Ooh. only gives me like my groups and my notifications and my messages, which is really all I need. I don't need to be scrolling and seeing what people are doing, you know, or having for lunch or right. <laughs> or whatever. So I really enjoy that. And I know that there are apps. I haven't played around with any of them, but there are actually apps that you can put on your phone that will lock you out of social media. So if you're yeah. having some serious impulse control problems or like maybe you're 
punishing your kid. <laughs> I don't know. There are apps that you can put on that are like password enabled um, or that some don't even have a password. Like it will literally like just lock you out for whatever predetermined amount of time. And yeah. I've heard people tell me like this was the best thing I've done. Like you got, you have no control. It's just gone. Like, you know, done cold Turkey. See how, see how it goes when you come back. So I don't know. I think those are, you know, there's probably one extreme to the next, um, and a little bit in between, but there are tons of tools. I mean, this is not a new problem. This is not something that's just crept up and we're just now realizing, um, you know, in the last, what, 10, 20 years, really, it's become a thing and we're lucky enough to be, um, still savvy and still plugged in to be able to take notes and, and be sure to pay attention to, um, the tools that we have at our disposal to keep us kind of grounded. This, um, I'd heard of this study um, on Dak Shepard's uh, podcast, Armchair mm-hmm. Expert, but there's this phenomenon called the Dunbar number. Have you heard that? Dunbar's number? I have, it's, but um, it's not. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, this I've idea it. that we're only ever meant to have about 150 people at most in our social circles. That's like your family. Mm. And you think back to generations past, like that was about the size of your little community. Those were your immediate family, your extended family, maybe the people you went to church with, maybe your neighbors. And that was it. And it's this idea that we, we really like our brains almost can't compute knowing Mm. about and being connected to 1500 Facebook friends or Mm -hmm. 6,000 Instagram followers. Like we don't have the bandwidth to keep up with that. Um, So that's always something I'm kind of keeping in mind too. Like I love social media and I love being connected, but in the back of my mind, I'm kind of realizing like none of us have we don't that have the capacity much. for that. Yeah. yeah we don't yeah, have it. And to, be, and to be real about what that means for us, if we have a 10 times that number of people in our sphere of influence, but we can only handle 150 of them. That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I like that. So we'll link to that mm-hmm. in the show notes. Well, mm-hmm. Kelly, it's time. We're, we could probably talk about this for days, okay. but we are oh going to go ahead and wrap <laughs> up. And let's first start by checking in on last week's advice from episode five, where we talked about saying hello and saying goodbye. We gave out the advice that we wanted to write a dear summer thank you <laughs> note. And so we're going to share excerpts. Kelly's going to read hers and then I'm going to share part of mine um, or maybe all of it. And we're going to let link to those in the show notes as well, just so we can show you that we did take our own advice of thanking summer for what it brought us as we enter into this new fall season. So Kelly, yeah, without further cue ado. The, uh, cue the cheesy music. <laughs> Dear Summer, thank you for the long, lazy days with no agenda. You provided us with much needed freedom from homework, sports, and bedtimes. I appreciate the flexibility of being able to travel on a whim, slow down a bit from work, and refocus on priorities for the second half of the year. The heat grants permission for slower movement and less hustle. The sunshine allows for late evening gatherings speckled with fireflies or popsicle breaks on the front porch. I'm also thankful for the break in rhythm that allows for excitement for the coming season. Summer, you were great. Maybe a smidge too long this year but wonderful. It's been real. Love, Kelly. I love it. I love it. We both talked about how we love um, the segment on Jimmy Fallon where he writes thank you notes and (laughs) has it set to music. So that's kind of the spirit we've done it in. Although the the sentiment is joking, I guess, but the heart behind it is sincere. 
Dear Summer 2019, it is with much appreciation and gratitude that I bid you farewell. In reflecting upon the weeks between the end of May and early September, I have much for which to be grateful. Below is a short list of the gifts you gave me. I'm just going to read a couple of these. I'll put the full thing in the show notes. I have six things and I'm going to choose three. Number one, (laughs) thank you for the ending of a very long and tiring school year. I'm grateful to have closed out the chapter of my life called fourth grade teacher. Thank you Mm. for the gift of family. I savored time with all of my aunts, uncles, and cousins as we laid to rest my grandfather. I realized some truths about growing up and life. I was reminded that time with our kids um, all under one roof is dashing past us, and I want to savor each day. And finally, Summer, thank you for a season of good health, free of illness or injury for those I care about. Love, Claire. That's great. I love that. Yeah, so these, y'all, share yours. Did anybody else write a summer letter? A letter to summer or a letter to fall? Like, we have fall letters, too. We'll share later. But, um, yeah, we'd love to hear yours. What are you thankful for? How do you close out the summer? Yeah. What reflections? What did you learn? Um, Yeah, feel free to share those, and um, we'll you know, comment on some of those we see as you share them along with us. But Kelly, um, we're going to wind this episode up and we're going to leave you guys with our advice not given for episode six and social media. What is your advice, Kelly? Okay. So mine is kind of sage and age old, but I think it applies. So have you ever heard or has your mom ever told you you have two ears and one mouth because you need to listen twice as hard and speak half as much? Oh, sick burn, mom. Right? <laughs> sick. Um, we have two eyes to consume all of this content. Now, I guess we have 10 fingers, so maybe that's shot. <laughs> We're going to pretend like it's still what you're speaking. Um, just be mindful of what you're posting and what you're commenting on, how you're commenting. Uh take into consideration all the viewpoints that can possibly be exposed to your comment, your post, um, and just try to be aware of that and sympathetic to that. Um, Also be aware of whether or not you're putting out an artificial sort of facade of yourself. You know, it's the one thing we complain about the most is how everyone's social media is curated and and it's a highlight reel. But if you're not being real yourself, um, then you can't really complain, right? So let's yeah. maybe try to change the change the paradigm there and, and be a little more authentic and heartfelt and um, connecting on a deeper level if possible. But yeah, yeah. so that'll so, be it. So your advice is keep it real, keep, keep it, it real. kind, and mm. keep it brief. Like don't be all up in it. Oh, that's much better said. Thank you. No, <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying it. to, con- yeah. I'm trying to uh, synthesize that. Like Condense I love the keep it, it real it. piece. That's very good. Yeah. My advice yeah. is going to go back to um, kind of keeping for yourself office hours with your phone and mm. with social media. If you try to set a predetermined amount of time that you feel is, and maybe it's something you start and just break down into smaller, smaller increments. Maybe you don't go cold turkey and just never look at it during the week, but maybe you limit yourself. And so I'm going to say my advice is to set office hours with your phone and with social media apps and not just set them, but stick to them and get yourself back to a place where you are consuming in moderation. That's my advice. Love it. Love it. So no Instagramming you at 11 o'clock at night anymore. Is that what I mean? Well, you can do <laughs> it, but I will see DMs. it until after 8 a.m. the next morning. So fair enough. <laughs> okay, cool. Thanks for joining us this week on Advice Not Given. For resources and links to all the things mentioned in today's episode, head over to our website at millspogurus.com. That's M-I-L-S-P-O-G-U-R-U-S. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please help others find us by adding your thoughts to an iTunes review and subscribing so you never miss a show. If you're interested in being a next level supporter of our endeavors, check out our Patreon page. You can pledge as little as a dollar per episode to help us out with expenses. Think of it as eavesdropping on our coffee date, but then sending over a latte. It's a thing. Also, be sure to find us on Instagram and Facebook at Gurus, where we keep the conversation going and where you can share your advice not given. 